Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with your favorite author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragonship Publishing. Our guest this week is Emily R. King, writer of fantasy and reader of everything. Born in Canada and raised in the U.S., she has perfected the use of A and y'all. She's a shark advocate, consumer of gummy bears, and islander at heart. But Emily's greatest interests are her four children. If she's not your favorite now, she will be after. All right. Welcome, Emily. How are you feeling today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. We're so glad you could be here. How's the weather where you're at? Is it really, really hot like it is, I don't know, everywhere else? Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I have air conditioning. I can't complain too loudly. (laughs) (laughs) What should we say? We're in Houston. It's hot, but it's supposed to be, right? Like, we expect it to be this hot. And I've always said I love it. Though, if there was no air condition, I might change my mind as I'm trying to go to sleep at night. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, let's see. We have some very, very vitally important questions. So I hope you brought your thinking hat and you are ready to go. I'm ready. That's right. Here we go. For our very first serious question, where do you get your ideas? (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs) I think the best part about being a writer is, and someone who creates, is that you're always soaking in information. And you, if you are part of the creator lifestyle, you understand where to look for it, where you find inspiration. Part of learning how to create is knowing where you personally find inspiration for things, right? So I, I like poetry. I like music. Um, I don't do puzzles. I do think that's creative. I just because I don't make them doesn't mean that, you know, but there are certain things and we contribute to this big circular family of creation. And so every idea that I get comes usually out of the blue, but also it doesn't come out of the blue. It's something that I worked really hard to look for. And it does come together like a puzzle where there's little pieces and then all of a sudden I have the full idea. So it takes some patience to actually wait for it to arrive where you feel competent enough to be able to lie about it and make money for a living. <laughs> Honesty and a writer, I like that. Yeah. Must lie about it with confidence. That's the trick. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, well, I'll say in your Wings of Fury series, you have Greek gods and mortals, and they're all living together with an almost sadistic dynamic, I have to say. And Like, these are not, you know, loving, forgiving gods, right? These are like the Greek gods if you actually read the myths during the time. So what can you tell readers about this world? What can they expect from it? Well, just that. uh, There's a lot of mythology that we know about after the Olympians have come into power. There's not a ton about when Cronus ruled. And it's such a pivotal time because if Cronus hadn't been the one to rule, I don't know that we would know what we do about the Olympians. They became that way because of him. And I think that's true for everything in life. You become who you're supposed to be through those hard type things. And so he's not a loving father. This guy tried to swallow his children, okay? (laughs) Think about what kind of world that would be. And that's what you would expect. Someone who is a Titan and his children are Titans, but they really are these gods that he just wants to squash. And he is smart enough to know that he can't do that on his own, but also 
he's terrified of doing of getting what's done to him that he did to his father because he held his father down and got a little brutal with it. <laughs> and so he really does think he deserves it in return. And he does. Uh-huh. He does. He does. And that's the part that I was always curious about. What would it have been like? Who would this God have been? How did who he was form his children? And uh, how did they come into power? What was what was the world like? What kind of world would that type of father figure be? And uh, it's exactly as brutal and sadistic as you would think. Yes, definitely. But I'll tell you, I started reading it and couldn't stop. So thanks a lot. I'll be up all night tonight. Um, so in this series, you feature three sisters and you chose the youngest as the first person narrator. I found that very interesting. Why did you choose the youngest? Uh, no one's ever asked me this before. But the truth is, my first draft, I didn't. Huh. I chose her to be the, the oldest. And mm-hmm. it just didn't feel right. I think it would be surprising to have a mother choose the youngest to be the person that she makes responsible for the rest of the family. And I also think that there's, I mean, I'm the middle child of five and they have, my siblings kind of picked me for the honorary oldest, even though I'm (laughs) not, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. And, but there's something to that Uh, family where we are in our family, we still get to kind of choose what that dynamic is like. And Sometimes we're told things that we wouldn't have picked for ourselves, but we do it for our family. And so that's why I thought she should be the youngest because it was unexpected, but also true to her character. It's not that her sisters were not good older sisters. It was that that their role is different than what her role was supposed to be. She really was supposed to take responsibility for them. And you can take responsibility for somebody and still not be an inherent leader. Sometimes you got to learn things and grow that's awesome let's see florida kevin says he literally just started watching titans tonight i'm gonna say not the same no not in a bad way but they're just different they're but they do very different. each other in weird ways so yes but no <laughs> um if you could spend the weekend with one of your characters who would it be and where would you go Hmm. I think I would go with, oh, I would take Rhea, that's Kronos' wife. I would take her for a spa retreat. Like one of those like really bougie ones in the desert where no one can bug her and no one can touch her and just listen to her cry about how much this man has like traumatized her. <laughs> I'm eating every one of her children. He was like, I think she's earned one of those like really ridiculous spa retreats, at yeah. least long weekend. Uh, something, something very special. <laughs> that's who I would pick. <laughs> I love that. You don't even choose what you tortured. He did. <laughs> I'd be like, you earned this and then some. If you just want to cry the whole time, you do it. Okay. And here's some chocolate. That's and you right. look great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, let's see. Friend of the show and former guest, Jessica, who happens to be listening right now. She told me, might be a rumor, that you swim with sharks. You've got to tell us about that. I mean, come on. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it was always a, there was one thing that it, I find in common with people who go on the same type diving expedition trips that I have is that we've all been in love and kind of obsessed with sharks since we were children. And that like, 
that innate love that you just have as a kid about you loving something that makes you so afraid, you share that. So you don't go in and seek out opportunities being in the water with sharks because you're not afraid of them. You do it because you respect that what they are, you know, regardless of the fact that they scare you. So yeah, I've uh, done lots of diving with different types of sharks. I'm going to do um, another great white shark cage diving two weeks in a row this year. Um, I'm also going to be on a boat where they're going to be filming a documentary for Shark Week, which should be really awesome. How cool! I get, yeah, I get to learn about that. And the more that I can learn about sharks and um, observe them, the more I love them. And I, you know, I love them a lot. So that's saying something. <laughs> so, so we should look forward to some kind of shark scientist book. I mean, come on, that would be awesome. That's the one I'm writing right now, actually. Um, I was supposed yes. to have it done to my agent. But when I got invited to be on the boat, you just can't pass up that experience. So I will, I have it drafted and I've been slowly revising it, but I'm waiting to have that experience and then we'll see what happens. That's so exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. I love it. My first love was whales. So I get the ocean thing. Yeah. 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 So no, I totally get that. Um, sharks. I don't know. I don't think I was ever afraid of sharks. So mm. maybe that's why I wasn't as fascinated with them. So that's a very interesting take on that. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah. I never thought of that before either. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like that take. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Iceland. Really? Yeah. You know, they eat sharks there after fermenting them under the ground for a long time. Yeah. Um, no, that's that. Uh, that's the only place uh, that I've ever traveled other than LA. I felt this way innately about L LA too, but it's the only place in the entire world that I just felt at home. My Viking jeans were so happy I just, <laughs> and it was cold and it was raining and it was like, I don't think it's everybody's thing, but I loved it. I loved every second. I was grinning and like my cheeks hurt the whole time. I just loved it. <laughs> Did you watch Eurovision? You were like, yes, I want to live I there. <laughs> No, I love it. Iceland is great. And next time I really want to treat myself, that's where I'll go. I'll go back. <laughs> that's so cool. It is on our bucket list, I have to admit. I had someone, one of my friends went and swam in the like ocean that should be freezing, but it was right close to where, you know, it was open to the core, basically, obviously not to the core, but, you know, really warm. So she was actually able to swim in a bathing suit in the very cold ocean that was not cold right there. I'm like, that is so fascinating. It's so cool. And it, when you go there, I had already been obsessed with North mythology. And mm -hmm. then of course, like the take that they have in Iceland is a little bit different. It's a little bit more removed than the dramatic side. But like, once you are there, they had to explain these phenomena somehow. They're like, how do you get <laughs> in the water naked and you're not cold? Cause you know, they didn't have bathing suits. It was, right. it must've been weird. You know, <laughs> how did this they does not make sense. Yeah. <laughs> does it there must be a god who did something because otherwise i don't know that i could explain it so yeah. it's pretty cool <laughs> humans always trying to explain things we don't get yeah but yeah. eventually we will get it right please someday so. some of us maybe uh but the um i love to, do you have you seen that show out uh, gordon ramsay's uncharted oh yeah he does an iceland one <sighs> The cinematography in that show is pretty excellent. Yes. Yeah. It makes... remote places that normally I would not be interested in. Like you said, I right. like want the spa. I want the yeah. spa. But you're right. It's, it's stunning in that one. Well, if you haven't seen the Iceland one, you've got to see it. Okay. Okay. I think, I don't think I have. I've seen some of it, but I'll look that up. It's on Hulu, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we watched it on Disney Plus. 
Okay. Okay. I'll find it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Iceland. It was amazing. Like they, he did. He they baked bread in an oven in the sand. Like they didn't make it hot. It was just hot from the volcanic activity. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I looked at Kevin. I'm like, that's gonna be in a book. I'm putting that in a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do it. That's such a good idea. Love I it. Totally going in a book. Um. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I love that show. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry about Emily. Not about Iceland, huh? Okay, hold on. I can get back to it. <laughs> it's like, as soon as we find something in common, we must do that thing instead. I'm happy talking about Iceland instead of myself every day. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, sisterhood is important in your, the hundredth queen series as well. So it's also, it's also in that one. They're not actual sisters, but more, you know, um, not at the beginning and then the wives she goes to, right? So, but there's still this, this familiar relationship that's very, feels like sisters. So I was wondering, what is it about sisters that stimulates your creative side? Uh, well, I guess I've been, I've been asked this question so many times and this is always my answer to that. So I'm going to circle back. Mm -hmm. Why I like, how did you write a strong female character? And my answer is always, how do you not know strong female women, like the anyone in your life? And I, I guess for me, they're the example that I'm always trying to recreate. And I never feel like I quite do them justice, you know? And it gets tagged with this idea of the strong female character and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like they're oversimplifying the nuances and the beauty and the strength that so many different women have. And I think because the people that I have closest to me would be my mom and my sisters and other women that I have had the the privilege to know in that kind of sisterhood bond. Like once you experience that, you're always trying to like make that something someone else can experience too. So that's probably where it comes from. That makes sense to me. I know I had with my first book, cause I had female main character too. And she one of my beta readers happened to be a male and he said, well, I mean, she didn't really do anything, which by the way, she did a lot. So I was like, all right, well, what do you mean by that? How, how are you getting that impression? Which sometimes beta readers, they just don't like it. They don't know why. Right. Right. And he said, well, she didn't like, like kill anyone with the sword. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> like, I'm like, but that's not her thing, you know? So obviously this is so in my head, I'm like, okay, this is just not the book for you. Like there's more ways to be strong yes. than killing someone with the sword. She had other gifts <laughs> and I was like, right. all right, it's right. It's all I need to know. It's not for you. Exactly. It's true though. Yep. That's it. Your stories invoke ancient Greece and ancient Sumeria. What research did you do to make them come to life so successfully? <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> Man, I mean, you really have to love research if you choose mythology because Sumerian mythology, I had a little bit more license with that because it's not as well known. It also has informed a lot of other mythologies. A lot of the same stories that came from Sumeria became Greek or became Celtic or became belonged by someone else that that they took these traditions and carried them on in their own interpretation. So me choosing Sumerian mythology initially, yes, it was a dead religion that was beyond, but it also informed every other mythology thing I've read. So once you realize you really like to research that, you just do it nonstop. Every resource that I could find, the every I had to I had to figure out there were three different versions of the same story and I had to pick one and then be able to double down and defend it if I'm going to write it, 
you know? And I actually really enjoyed that challenge. I don't think I could have done it if I hadn't done Sumerian mythology or Celtic mythology beforehand, but that experience taught me to see the similarities. And then I kind of went back to the roots of whatever had carried over from Sumeria probably was legit in ancient Greece. So it's it's like years and years of research. <laughs> I love that. So you mean me buying a dozen books about um, Chicago after the Civil War to research an alternative history was not too much at all? No. <laughs> I, I just want that on record. <clears throat> you know, Why other you people I might live yourself? with. Why do we do this? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a good idea. Do you see that stack of books? And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, then. Can I just make up stuff instead? Why did I do this? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you learn so much and then you go, oh, hey, I did that. Good for me. Like, I can't believe I did. And thank heavens I have these good resources from people. Otherwise, there is no way. <laughs> right. right. I'm like, yes. And now I need my editor to tell me we don't need 10 pages of how they put on a course. Because then you want to use all the stuff you learn. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the hard part. Um, what part of your daily routine is an absolute must? <clears throat> <laughs> you don't have to tell us that one. Oh. No, no, I think I do because it was never this way before. And now it's like the only way to survive sleep. Like I oh. sleep, I have to sleep. And you know, if you like to write and read, the first thing to go is your sleep time, because that's always where you're going to have a good idea. You're always going to pick up a book. You don't want to put it down and go to bed. Like it's the first thing to go. And it is the only thing now that has to be first because otherwise I can't do the rest. So sleep. <laughs> that is anyway, it used the, the most di- honest answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you used to what? Um, it used to be caffeine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you've gone the other side. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of grown and changed and I got, I'm getting older. So I, you know, you gotta, you gotta accept some things. It's okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your bio also said you had four children. So yes, you definitely have to adjust things. Yeah. <laughs> Darn those little things we bring into this life on purpose. <sighs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, what is the best thing you have ever, or at least recently, eaten? Ooh, I've really gotten into eating pho, like really good pho. And I'm not, I don't like it as much as I like ramen. I've learned this. And the spicier, the better. My favorite is a spicy oxtail pho, which is really hard to find. You can, uh, the first time I had it was when I was in Taipei and I did not appreciate it because I had been in like a red eye and it was six in the morning and then, or to me, and I was eating noodles and it was a little weird, but now I love it. <laughs> well, it's a breakfast food in, in most of Asia. So yeah. It it's uh-huh. it, it, like to find a really good one, mm-hmm. you know, where I live, it's, it's a little difficult, but it's my favorite now. Another benefit, when you come to Houston, we'll take you for some really good pho. There's okay. a huge Vietnamese population in Houston. Oh, I would love that. Yes, love yes. That. There parts of town actually has Vietnam. They have Vietnamese on the signs, on the street okay. signs. Yeah. I need that in my oh. life. I'm going to have to move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how, if you're going to get pho in Iceland. I'm just warning you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that I had the perfect plan, but it's so <laughs> Somewhere it's coming together. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> oh, that's awesome. The um, I'll tell you, if you really like pho, we actually found a home recipe because I'm not going to take two days to make, you know, the stock, the beef right. stock. that has to, I, I don't have two days for that. Um, and plus, I would get it wrong over and over again. And I'm not that patient. Um, 
So the we the, we found a recipe. It's jet tilas, and it's a um, quick pho. It's a beef pho, and it's quick. So um, it's there's like a cheater way to make it. It is delicious for a home cooked pho. So right. I highly recommend it. Jet tila. Well, will you be my neighbor and make me pho? <laughs> That's pretty much what you just invited to do for me <laughs> without realizing it. <laughs> um, we could probably pack it and send it to you. I mean, it can't be okay. that hard, right? <laughs> you can't send alcohol across state lines, but I'm pretty sure you're good. Uh, with Kelly won't be in the box. That's what you're telling me. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. We love it. Um, what do you hope readers get from your work? <clears throat> I know we go from fun to the heavy questions. That, yeah. that is how we do it here. I think it's changed. Before I just wanted to feel like I could write a book and get away with it. And now I always want to get better. And I think my favorite thing is when they can see that I've done that because it's important to me that there's craft involved in it and that, that all the work accumulative over my life has amounted to something that is better than what I start with. Because isn't that the goal? Like the best part is to improve. And if you don't do it, you won't. So the books might be different. I'm going from like, hopefully Greek mythology to a shark thriller. That is not the same thing. <laughs> but I want to have, be able to take everything that I learned and apply it to every new story idea that I invest my time in that I think is worthy for someone else's attention and time. And I'm still always flattered and surprised by that. That is really cool. Let's see. I like watching a, a read. It's almost like we were unforgiving to, to writers. We don't let them grow anymore. So I, I actually watch that when you take it and it's a great idea, but you know, some of the writing needs some work. And as you keep going, you're like, Oh my gosh, they've gotten so good. So right. yeah, I like that too. If anything else, it gives us hope, right? When we're starting out, exactly. that we realize we don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Let's see. Who has inspired you along the way? Um. So much. Oh, I I really am that person that I, I will see a piece of art and I don't even know who the artist is, and all of a sudden I have an idea and I owe them because. I, when, when I'm writing fantasy and I'm picking settings, I will just go on, um, what is it? It's not, oh, Pinterest and make boards, you know? And then when I'm yes. writing when I'm writing a new scene, whatever that scene is, I will find that picture that inspires me and that becomes my backdrop because every time I see it, it feeds like what I need to do for that scene. And I always feel like I don't do it justice because it's never, I'm never gonna get to show people, this is where it came from. So uh, I, I'm very visual, so I would go with the visual type stuff. And I know that that's very like weird because I should, probably should be naming like Margaret Atwood, who's my hero, and all these other authors that I love. But really it's the people who can do things that I, I can't even do um, any sort of a stick man. Like I can't even do that. You know, hangman back in the day, I couldn't even do hangman. Like and I have to get the word right. I can't draw the thing, man. <laughs> I was competing against eight-year-olds and I still lost, okay? Like, <laughs> you know what you can do and when you know what you can't. And I really appreciate people who can. <laughs> that sounds fair. It's, it's very rare you could just look at something and feel. And that is the gift of, you know, that kind of artist. And I just, I, I also appreciate that, I agree. I mean, it takes me, you know, 100 pages to make you feel, but you know, they can do it. Whoop. 
Yeah. Now it takes them forever too. I'm not trying to say they do it instantly, but for you, it's instant. You know, you just look at it, bam, you feel, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Let's see. Your bio says you're a reader of everything, which I greatly appreciate because I also read everything. What authors or worlds are you uh, currently obsessed with? Um, I've gone, I think the Greek mythology thing kind of threw me back down the classics. And before I, anything where they told me I had to read it and I didn't want to, I just instantly would hate. So I'm catching up on things <laughs> gotcha. that, that I realized they were right. And it's okay to really like some of those type of classics, but I really, i still am reading a lot of Greek mythology. Um, I enjoy, uh, middle grade quite a bit, especially fantasy. So fun. And their characters there are usually just so engaging. Mm -hmm. um, and then picture books have always been a thing for me too. Uh, when I find one that really speaks to me, usually if I ever cry at a book, it's a picture book. Like I still can't not read the little engine that could it without bawling. Oh. <laughs> I love it. So when I find uh -huh. one like that, that's, that's what I, that's what I read. That's awesome. Yeah, there was one, I don't know if, if if in your kid's school you have like the book fairs, you know, when there was a normal world, there were book fairs. And I would always volunteer for the book fairs, which um, was not popular with my husband because uh, I guarantee the librarians was happy I was there and it wasn't because I could balance the books. Um, <laughs> and there was one book in there, I won't remember the title right now, but it was about a, um, a, a man and a library. And I'm reading this book, like, I can't even tell you right now what the title is. So it's not like it was this incredibly emotional thing, but I'm reading it and I'm crying just again, based on the art, right? So you've got the art in there and you've got, and it just made me so sad. I'm crying. I bought one for like every one of my, you know, nieces and nephews and like everyone. So they could all have one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's for Christmas day. So leave me alone. It's fine. <laughs> Hey, that's where I found Jonathan Mayberry and some really cool people are at those. I know. They're, yeah. 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 So, I mean, the only reason he's not saying anything right now is because he knows you're right. Like deep down inside, yeah. it's okay. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's, I mean, there are worse things to give us presents. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, so what hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup? Oh, um, I like... I like to get obsessed with documentaries. That's fun. Really good ones. Like like you said, anything that's really cinematic, once again, that visual type art, artistry, uh, I really enjoy. Um, I like to go on walks. And I know that's weird too, but this is usually my quiet time. Mm -hmm. And um, I really enjoy any sort of music that I get to hear live. You know, because that, that also really inspires me. And that's something we've lost a lot in the last couple of years. And I'm looking forward to having that come back where if I can hear live music and dance, it just makes me happy. <laughs> I love it. 100% with you. We just went to the Hella Mega Tour. So that was our first concert in two years. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was quite a big one to uh, break the seal on, let me tell you. But it was my favorite part wasn't just seeing these bands that I've loved for years. My favorite part was singing with the crowd. Yes. There was just something about that, you know? It was like a spiritual moment when everyone knows these songs, everyone loves these songs, and we were all able to sing them and we all knew the words. It was just, I was like, I forgot how much I love this. Yeah, I missed it, missed it. And it is collective experience. And it does feel like a little bit 
like levels you up. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's sacred, but it can, depending if it's the song you love the most, it can feel like precious, you know? Well, when so. they played Queen on before Green Day came on, it was, of course, everyone is singing that. That was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, good for you guys. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. We're like, we're vaccinated, we're going. <laughs> and we did. Right. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, let's see, what's your, oh no, we've got our very important ones now. These are more of our traditional questions. Okay. okay. So what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I don't, uh -oh. I, don't like, I don't like ice cream. <laughs> oh, oh, stabbed my heart. Oh, I, you know, oh. I don't know what to tell you. It's just not my thing. I think I'm lactose intolerant. I've never tested it, but I just I just naturally know not to eat it, even though I love it. But if I am going to go to town, probably butter pecan. That's probably the one I'd pick. So if you're going to punish yourself being lactose intolerant, it's going to be that one. It's gonna it's gonna have nuts in it. It's gonna taste like caramel. <laughs> That's real, man. That's real. <laughs> I love it. Um, coffee or tea? Um, you know, oh, iced coffee, but also, uh, the Mandarin orange tea is really amazing. I love that too. So it's, it's summer. It'd be iced coffee, winter, Mandarin orange. Nice. I like that. I've been eating chai or eating. I've been drinking chai lattes lately. Oh, yeah. I know it turns out they're an old thing, but they're new to me mm -hmm. and, um, I'm in love. I'm in love. So good. Little so breakfast good. place I go to to write. And I'm like, I must have the chai latte. Thank you very much. <laughs> they're excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I have to ask you this one, but I'm going to ask anyways, just so you can clarify. Hot or cold weather? Probably cold. You can always put on more clothes, but there's only so much you can take off. <laughs> That's it. With it being legal. So you got to be careful about that one. So I'd probably say cold. <laughs> or you could take them all off and get in the hot tub in the cold weather in Iceland. I mean, you could totally make this work. I know. Isn't that fun when, like, it's snowing and it melts and before it even hits you? Yeah, the steam. Anyway, okay. You're right. There it's we go. fun. See? So you, you, you can hit both worlds. <laughs> I can both. <laughs> you know, the hard part about that is when do you get out? <laughs> you, like, you, you don't. You just realize you're dehydrated and, and you're falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to feel my toes, but it'll be temporary. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's different problems. Um, what? Oh, well, we just talked about music. One of my questions is what's your favorite style of music? Do you have a favorite style? Classical. My dad is a classical trombonist. So if I really pick that's something. That's so cool. That's what I would listen to. Yeah. That's probably what I go with. That is so cool. Um, my son, when he was first starting band, they put him in a trombone is what, what they assigned him. But he really wanted to play French horn. So we went back okay. and the... Um, the band director had him, you know, try all the mouthpieces. He was like, look, quite frankly, he can play any of these. So I don't care. Whatever he wants is fine. So he gave him French horn. But as he went through band, you know, personality-wise, you start to see the personalities of the different groups. Right. And we were realizing, no, you know, the band director was right. You should have been trombone. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means. Knowing my father, I know what you just said. It's, it's a thing. It's like, so your embouchure will do this, but really, you should be at the very back of the crowd. <laughs> making the loudest noise you can because you love it <laughs> and wanting to play whatever you want to play no matter That's what right. uh, yeah when I heard one of the jokes they said do you know why the the um director never looks at the trombones and we're like no why why do they never look at the trombones because he doesn't want to encourage them <laughs> it's so 
true. They're they're they have the most brass of the brass. They really do. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, cats or dogs? Oh, cats. I own three. And I have, oh, we bought, uh, we got two kittens last year, adopted two of them, brothers. I walked right in and he, he, he hadn't even woken up from getting, you know, and uh-huh. he woke up. The first thing he did was eat. And so I had to have this cat. And then, <laughs> and then I saw like the first time he moved in pain was to eat. And I was like, yes, yes. I understand you. My spirit and then I read his name and his name is Aang from the last airbender. So I immediately had to go find a Zuko. So now we have an Aang and a Zuko. Oh, yeah. So cute. I love it. <laughs> they were all meant to be. They were all meant that's to be. Um, and I think that's it. We have gone through 20 questions. How did we do that? You are just so good at this. I'm a little too fast and decisive. You can ask me, me something. Too. <laughs> I'm just no. Oh, no. Uh, we're fine time wise. Please. You're awesome. I just mean that it flew like time flew by. Let's see. We do have, Greg says we're very efficient. That's right. Very efficient writers of fantasy. <laughs> yes. It could totally happen. It totally works. Um, let's see. Florida Coven does have a question. He wants to know what music should be playing in his head while he's reading Wings of Fury. Ooh. <sighs> um, <clears throat> Wagner. Mm. Yeah. I would go with Wagner. I think it once again they're really strong brass type stuff. I feel like Titans exude that type of feeling. Pulse. Um, if you yes. go with the darker stuff, you've got Mars, which reminds me of Aries. Like anything with the planets. I know that the Romans appropriated it a little bit, but it really did belong to the Greeks first. However, when it comes to music, I think they interpreted that better because the Greeks didn't leave us that. They focused on the literature side. And then together, the two, you get like the perfect combo. So anything that is uh, the Roman side of the mythology would work too. Excellent. There you go. Now you know what to do. Let's see. I don't know. We have an Iceland fact. Iceland fact. Viking translates to raiding. This is where the common expressions panty Viking and Viking the refrigerator comes from. Oh, Kevin. (laughs) (sighs) He got me. I had to read it out loud. (laughs) Oh, Florida Florida Kevin says that the gods in his books are all scored to the Benny Hill theme. Um, No, that's just your main character, Kevin. Just just keen. All right. Everyone's happy. Ooh, we have our Davis writer is so excited to see you on. So hello, hello, our Davis. And Jessica, oh, she says that the librarian loves when she volunteers for the book fair too. She stays way later and ends up buying way too much. Yep, me too, Jessica. I feel you. Yep. You know when you feel like a sucker, but you're also not sorry about it? (laughs) That's when. I have so much to feel guilty of in my life. Buying books has never been one of those things. Yeah, you could do worse. Never. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Especially when they're gifts. I mean, it's not like they're adding to my pile. Maybe yeah. just this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have to read it first to see if the kids are going to like it, okay? Always. Yep. So, Emma Lee, you've been amazing. Um, we would like to know where can fans find you and your work? You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Not as much on Facebook anymore, but no one else is either. I do have a TikTok account that I have not signed into. So if you tag me there, I'm not ignoring you. I just yeah, I can only handle so much social media at one time. I also have my website 
and all of my books are on Amazon. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not on Goodreads either, but they're there too. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goodreads really is for readers, not writers. So that makes yeah. total sense to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on, um, so you said they could find you, but what, what are you listed as? Is it just Emily R. King? It's Emily underscore R underscore King. There you go, everyone. So go find Emily now that she's your new favorite writer. And please review her work. It's a gift that you can give to your writer. doesn't cost you a thing. And for us, please review us wherever it is that you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch next. Actually, we're taking next Tuesday off. So next Tuesday is off. And the week after that, we have... Uh, Steve Ruskin on. So we hope to come see you. And we must thank our subscribers. And I had a whole list of them. Here we go. Our awesome subscribers who help us keep the nights on. We have DH Dunn, Roger, uh, Helen Savore, Jenny, and Mari. So thank you so much for helping us make this happen. And we can't wait to see you next time. <laughs>